What is up, guys? Clocks on the stove, episode 33. We are here today. We're going to have a new format for you um, with Clocks on the Stove. We're going to be getting now hopefully three episodes a week, breaking down on different focuses. Um, so we're starting off this week uh, with our preview of UFC 278, Kamara Usman versus Leon Edwards 2 for the welterweight world title. Before we hop into that, I would like to say I have a pretty cool story to tell. So yesterday I went to jiu-jitsu class to grapple under Dan Martinez, very well-renowned uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu grappler in the Nogi, competes at a very high level, was very high level, well-respected. I had a Gracie pack. And funny story, my high school math teacher, Mr. Driss, was there. And I got to grapple my sophomore year geometry teacher. Now, there's two things I got to say about this real quick. The first is, um, you know, there's so many times in life where you're like, wow, I wish I could just beat the shit out of my teacher or wow, I wish I could just beat the shit out of my boss. And you can't. And in this awesome instance, I got to actually like combat fight my geometry teacher. Now, listen, there was no ill intentions. There was nothing. It was no it was nowhere like that. I had a great role with him, was surprisingly extremely talented, had a very active guard. I was unable to finish him uh, even when I passed his guard. But, um, yeah, it was just one of those instances where it was like, I got to actually fight my teacher. And the other point that I want to make, the one I want to focus on more is, how awesome is that, by the way? The, the, what, what other sport can you think of that at this age where, you, you know, I'm, we're not collegiate athletes, we're not professional athletes, not yet, but – um, that I, I was able to, to reunite with a teacher that I had seven, eight years ago and, and get to be able to roll with him and, and experience that at a high level. You know what I mean? Like there's no, that's, that's my favorite thing about mixed martial arts and especially Brazilian jiu-jitsu is that it's, it's honestly for any age, any size, any, any, anything, like there's no politics in it. You can do it at any age. You can do it at any level. Like that's, what's so beautiful about it. Like to have that opportunity to reunite with my teacher and get to roll in with them and, you know, that it was just crazy. You know, I, I couldn't think of another sport that you'd get that opportunity. And that just goes back to me believing, I think every single person in the world should do jujitsu. I think it, yeah. I think it's just practical. I really do. Was it one of those where like you both recognize each other immediately or did like you notice him first? And then he kind of was like, I know, I remember you from somewhere. So, so you need to remember when he taught me, I was 15 years old. I didn't have tattoos. I didn't have a beard. Mm. I, I was a little pubescent boy, you know, and, and I, I'm not going to lie to you. I was not a big fan of him when I was in high school, but I was also a brat when I was that age, you know, and, but seeing him now and talking to him now, I, I gained a lot of respect for Mr. Driss. So I, you probably not listen to this uh, big Driss, but like, I'm so glad I was able to do that. And we were able to catch up, man. There was, it was one of those moments where I came home from practice and I was sitting there and I was like, you know, I was really grateful, you know, I was really appreciative. I was like, yeah world comes around it's crazy but he he walked in late when we were stretching and i looked at him but he kind of has one of those faces where it's like oh you know he kind of looks like it, it, he has one of those faces that kind of generic you know i'm not trying yeah. to say but it was like <laughs> that could be mr driss but that also couldn't be we kept like making eye contact and then right before we started drills i was like hey man what's your name he's like chris i was like Mr. Fucking Driss. He's like, yeah. He's like, I thought I recognized you. I was like, ah. Oh God. Dude, it was really cool, man. It was, it was, it was really cool. Like I, like I said, it was a complete curveball, and it made my day. It really made my day. I'm definitely gonna submit him next time we grapple, though, for sure. It was a yeah. little, 
didn't want to go too hard, but but he like I said, no no disrespect to him. He was actually really good. Yeah, did you underestimate him at first? Like you were like, yeah, there's no way this guy. No, I went in. I went in for his neck because I didn't want any shot that he caught me in anything at all. I know, I know that word would travel so fast to my high school friends, and I would never be able to live that down. But oh, um, yeah. but yeah, dude, it was it was a great time. I just want to give a shout out of the week, Mister Driss, co shout out Dan Martinez for making that happen. Um, and hopefully I get to reunite with some other people from my childhood. But yeah. Let's get let's dive into the fat that everyone's listening for, Zach. UFC 278, yeah. Kamara Usman versus Leon Edwards 2 in Salt Lake City, Utah, by the way. Crazy, mm. crazy weird location. Mm. I've never been there, but my father has, and he's only spoken highly about it. He said it's it's an awesome, cool town. I don't know what you know about Salt Lake City, Utah, but that's what I've been told. I know it's out west, and I want nothing to do with out west. Um good over here in Florida but I mean honestly I mean if I have to speak from the heart I'm not too excited about this fight card coming up I mean obviously like you look at the main card we've got a couple big name fights um all back to back which is good but I mean if you want fans to tune in early this probably isn't the fight card for that um I mean even on the main card first two fights probably not a lot that people have heard about it um based off the research we do we've done though um from weigh-ins, Tyson Pedro made 205 and a half. Um, he's a minus 730 favorite in this fight going up against um, Harry Hunsucker. Um, Pedro is actually coming off uh, a win, um, or a TKO win uh, via uppercuts. His opponent, however, I think two losses in the last year and a half, um, really only has like knockout power. I think his average fight time is like two minutes, two and a half minutes. Um, so it's definitely easy. They're going to put it away early give the fans something excited to look at or Pedro stock is going to go back up a little bit from what he once was where he came onto the scene, I think six and oh, and then ended up losing three of his last four. Um, but I definitely think Pedro is going to win this just more of a uh, way more versatility as a fighter um, ground game striking just is going to be able to put things at his pace that I think he can handle. Um, but yeah, Tyson Pedro to start things off for the main card. Um, Moving what's forward, what's interesting what's to me about this fight, Zach, is both of these guys haven't really fought for a while. I mean, Han Sucker, they're both they're both two and five in the last five. Okay, Han Sucker, his last five fights have all been finishes, win or loss, all been finishes in the first round. But he hasn't fought since December of 2021. That's literally almost a year ago. That's almost a year ago. So he hasn't fought for a long time now. Pedro. On the other hand, my, uh, mind you, Han Sucker's minus 550 underdog. Pedro, on the other hand, has fought recently, fought this past April with a first-round knockout. But but since before that fight, we take we get rid of that fight, he hasn't fought since 2018 against Shogun. Against yeah. Shogun and then OSP. So this dude hasn't fought for a while. Um, It seems like all the guys – like, I don't really know too much about these guys. I'm not going to act like I'm some guru, Joe Rogan. I, I don't know too much about these guys which is extremely weird to me why they wouldn't hype up the Usman card. Fun fact of the day real quick, the two biggest UFC pay-per-views last year were two Usman cards. So, excuse me, the the number one one was uh, McGregor, was McGregor, uh, Dustin, and then it was Usman, Colby. But for this year, it was Usman, Colby, I believe. Um, I might have mixed, mixed that up. Anyways, 
Usman sells. He's he's right now outside of McGregor your biggest your biggest draw pay per view wise. Regardless of it, if it's the cards he's put on or regardless of it's him himself, he's put up big pay per view numbers. So why yeah. you're having such a? I don't want to bash these guys, but but they're not huge names. They're not big draws. You know I don't understand the logic behind that. Um, and in Pedro's stance, I do agree with what you're saying. I feel like the UFC is definitely going to try to build his stock, especially with those New Zealand, Australian guys coming up big right now. You know, we look at, um, the Izzy camp with Brad Riddell and Volkanovsky and, uh, Hangman and Kai Car France and Izzy. And then you got Rob Whitaker's out there. You know, there's a lot of talented guys from that region. So they definitely are trying to ride that train. Uh, but any guys that he's fought with a big name, he's lost to Erie Latifi, OSP and, and Shogun, you know, granted, granted. These were in 2017, 2018, but that's still a thing that weighs in your conscience of a fighter. Um, I don't want to say the lock of this fight, in my opinion, is Pedro because of how crazy the numbers are. You're not you, you're not going to win any money, but I, I am going to guarantee this fight's going to finish. If I had to put a lock in for a bet, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm putting money down, I'm going to put this fight as a finish. All of the last four or five fights for Pedro all were finished, and last five or five for Han Sucker were all finishes. Now, obviously, I do think Pedro is going to win, but I, the odds are it's not worth throwing the money towards it, in my opinion. But I, I guarantee that that it's going to go finish. I would, I would throw finish. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving forward, we have a woman's bantamweight bout. Um, we have Lucy Pitalova and Wu Yanan. Um, honestly, another fight I really don't know too much about these two fighters. Um, I think you're reading off some of their things where they one and four and one was four and one. Or yeah, so Yannin, um, Yannin, uh is one and four in her last five. All, all four losses were decision with her win as a first round submission. And then her opponent, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but Pudilova, she is four and one in her last five. All five of those fights are decisions. And fun fact, this fight tomorrow night, or well, when we post it, it'll be tonight, um, is her UFC debut. So following that up, we have a bantamweight bout between one of the best uh, bantamweights of all time and Jose Aldo, um, arguably the GOAT, in my opinion. And he's going up against uh, Marab. Uh, Grayson, you might need to help me out with this last name. Uh, sorry, one second. It's uh, Marab Divashafili. Sounds good. Um, from what I know, um, from watching this film, uh, just gross wrestling, completely disgusting. Um, but looking at Aldo's takedown defense throughout his career, I mean, dude, he's sitting at ninety percent, fighting, yeah. fighting everyone. Jose fought yeah. everyone. Yeah, like there's no, there's no one's like ground game he hasn't really seen. And, like, no offense to Marab, but I'm not saying he's, like, on Khabib's level. Because Khabib's the only one, in my opinion, where I was, like, it doesn't matter what you've seen. Like, you're going to the ground, like, end of the day. That's just all that's going to happen. But I think Aldo's just too experienced, too good. Um, and, honestly, he's still got the juice. Um, I believe his record is, yeah, 31-7. and seven. Um, Just an absolute behemoth. Um, I think at his weigh-ins today, he needed a second attempt. But, obviously, made weight um, just fine. But yeah oh and another fun fact um i saw he was listening to nirvana during his weight cut so i think he's definitely coming in and trying to murder someone um but we'll see so here's my background on it first of all i want to start off with uh i wasn't sorry about jose but let's start off with marab 
So Marab's actually the favorite, minus 135 over Jose. And he's been fighting extremely well. Um, I mean, he's on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fight win streak over some extremely good guys. We're looking at Casey Kenny, Gustavo Lopez, John Dotson, Cody Stanman, and Marlon Marias. Um, he actually just retired. Uh, I, no, he didn't. Excuse me. That's a, that's misinformation. He did not retire uh, Marlon Marias, but he he knocked him out in the first round, second round. Um, he's coming. He, he's killing it. He's killing it. He's another fighter that hasn't fought in about a year since 2021, September of 2021. Um, I got to actually see him train firsthand when I was in um, – when I was in uh, Las Vegas, him and uh, Elijah Main came and trained at Syndicate, and I was there with my my buddy Jesse Florentino. I got to meet Jerry Sharpiro and train with uh, Jordan Leavitt and a lot of those guys. So it was a cool experience. I got to meet Marab. I got to meet Aljo. Um, so that was really cool. Like I said, coming off a seven-fight win streak, he's killing it. He's crushing it. He's coming after everyone. Um, a lot of decisions. His uh, His durability is what stands out to me about him. He's extremely durable. Like you said, Zach, he's great wrestling. He's got some pretty heavy hands. Um, I just don't think he brings anything to the table that Jose hasn't seen yet. But the one thing I'm going to, you're going to hear me bring this up about two guys. What I'm about to say, and the first one is going to be him right now is I'm a huge believer in, in greatness being surrounded by greatness, right? I'm a huge believer in that iron sharpens iron. You are who you're surrounded by that kind of mindset. And his training partner is Aljamain Sterling who's the champion of the division, regardless yeah. of if you like him, regardless if you don't, he's, he's good. So by being surrounded by him all the time, he's learning, he's picking his brain apart, he's training with him. He, it's definitely sharpening his tools, you know? So I'm not going to take that away from him. Seven fight win streak in the UFC. He's doing something right. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about the King of Rio. Okay. Mm. Jose. Aldo. Okay. Yes. Yes. First of all, let's start off by who he has fought. He has defeated, okay? He has defeated Cub Swanson, Mike Brown, mm. Uriah Faber, mm. Manville Gagarin, mm. Mark Hominick, Kenny Florian, Chad Mendez, Frankie Edgar, the Korean Zombie, Ricardo Lamas, Chad Mendez again, beat Frankie Edgar, uh, lost to Connor, beat Frankie Edgar again, uh, lost Max Holloway twice, beat Jeremy Stevens, beat Hinato Marciano, Beat, and then lost to Volk, lost to Marlon Marias in such a horrible decision that Dana White uh, uh, excuse me, awarded him with a title shot against Peter Yan after, mm -hmm. which he lost. Then he beat Cheeto, beat Pedro, beat Rob Font. He has fought literally everyone in featherweight and bantamweight. He has not ran. He's fought them all. He's fought them all. Yeah. And it sucks so much because he lost so much credibility because of the Connor fight, that people forget how much of a freaking legend this man was, and still is, and still is. Okay, don't take. I don't want to take that away from him. He's still a legend. He's one of my favorite fighters of all time, and it really sucks because I love Connor too, and, I, and I'll always be a Connor fan. And so grateful for what Connor did for our sport. Right, Connor made him look like a bad guy, and he's not. He's not a bad guy at all. He's extremely humble and extremely nice, and he's fucking violent. So violent, so much fun to watch, and it sucks that that ruined his image. But my, I'm going Jose by decision in this fight because one, I think um, Marab is very durable, but he has not been hit by someone that hits like motherfucking Jose Aldo. Okay, he's not going to take him down. Okay, and the thing is, when it comes to big fights, 
yes, Marab has done a very good job on a seven-fight win streak, but he's never fought in the fights that Jose's fought on. Jose's fought on the yeah. biggest stages and the biggest platforms in the world, so he knows what it takes to get ready. And like I said, Marab doesn't bring anything to him that, that, that these 15 Hall of Famers he's fought bring. You know, I don't yeah. see him doing anything differently. I think Jose is going to do normal Jose. He's going to be a very slow first round where he's going to feel the pace. And then once he gets the distance and he gets the pace and he gets the timing, he's going to pick him apart. He's going to kill him with boxing. He's going to chop his legs. He's going to stalk him. He's going to stalk him. Marab's got to finish him. He's got to knock him out because Jose doesn't gas. He's got to knock him out. And then the other thing that I, I want to I want to address, which I find extremely, extremely vital to this topic as well, Jose Aldo low-key beat the shit out of Cheeto. Loki dominated him on the ground in boxing. He low-key dominated him. Yeah. And Cheeto's on a motherfucking tear right now. Tear. Yeah. So to see that too is like, wow, bro. Like Marab's really, really, really got to throw something at, at Jose, dude. But I just don't see it. I think I don't I don't know if Jose can finish him because at Bantamweight is a little not as powerful. I mean, his last three fights are all decision wins at Bantamweight. Um, so I don't know if if he's gonna be able to finish him. But I don't think the durability of Murat, he has not been hit by Jose Aldo. He's been hit and he's durable, but he hasn't been hit by Jose Aldo. I'm going Jose by decision. Yeah. Um, one of the things I'd point out is like, even we were, even when you were naming off like some of Aldo's like more memorable wins, like even in his losses, I mean, he has some, some decisions like against Volkanovsky, for example. Like these are guys that have proven they're the best of the best at their weight class and the fact that he can stand with those champions, um, even at his age, like these weren't, these are like a year or two ago. So it's not like he's that far removed, um, from that peak, but, um, I still think he has plenty left in him. And I don't exactly like you said, I don't think Rob is going to throw anything that he hasn't seen before. And I just think Aldo has a longer track record when it comes to those, um, later rounds. Um, so I definitely think he's just going to be able to last longer. Um, have that discipline going into those later rounds. A lot of times you tend to steer away from game plans um, that you brought up in the beginning once you get punched in the face so many times, but um, I'm sure that he'll pull out a victory, as you said. Now, real but, quick, before we go, before we move on real quick, if I am yeah. Rab, so I want to look at it from the other perspective. If I am Rab, I'm Rab's team, and, like, I need this win, right? What, I'm, what am I going to do? If I'm him, okay? Now, listen, he obviously knows a lot fucking more than I do, and he's a lot better than I am, okay? I'm not taking that away. I'm just giving my personal opinion. If I'm him, I'm instantly shorting the gap. I am I am staying in Jose's grill the entire time. I'm not letting leg kicks become an advantage. And, and I am going to use the threat of a takedown every fucking second I can. It doesn't mean I have to shoot. and It doesn't mean I have to get the takedown, but I'm using the threat of it. I'm level changing nonstop. I'm touching the leg. Even if I'm not scoring, I'm touching the leg. And I'm trying to get Jose to the fence. I want to fight the most boring, hold him to the fence, take him down, ride him out, fight I can. Because if it becomes a if it becomes a warrior's brawl, you're not winning that fight. I'm sorry, yeah. but that's what that, and I, I'm assuming his game plan is something similar to that. And he obviously has an amazing camp that knows what they're doing. Um, but that's that's what if I was his coach, that's what I'm training him for. We're shortening the gap off rip. We're not touching gloves. I don't want him to know my reach. We're shortening the gap off rip. We're getting in his face and we're we're, we're getting Jose against the cage. Because the more space, those kicks are baseball bats, bro. They're baseball bats. I don't want to. I don't want to deal with those. I want to deal. His hands aren't any better, but I'd rather deal with the hands than I would with the kicks. I agree. So I remember finding this tweet. I had to just go back and look for it. But Jose Aldo's career takedown defense is ninety percent, but his bantamweight takedown defense is only seventy five percent. So we did a little poll, and 
we asked, does Bantamweight have the best wrestlers or takedown offense um, out of all weight divisions in the UFC? Personally, um, I probably would have said no. I think 155 probably yeah, has better wrestlers. I, I completely agree. Yeah, I think 155. And it seems the fans agree. Uh, 61%, 61.9% said no, uh, Bantamweight does not. But that doesn't mean um, – that Aldo hasn't seen his fair share of amazing wrestlers. I think he's gone as far up as 145. Um, so, I mean, he's seen it all. He's, seen, he's, he's literally this. fought every big name fighter ever in 145. Yeah. He's fought them all. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I definitely see him walking away with this one. And then, yeah, I went down this like little rabbit hole of him like finding like some of his wake up videos and he's listening to like really like old school rock songs and just like, alternative 2000 stuff and he's like it's so funny to me because i feel like that would be the last kind of music he listens to um but i guess i just gained a little more respect for him even though he wasn't already one of my favorite fighters i mean the dude's a legend well speaking uh, on the recut last thing i want to say before we move on to the rock hold you need to remember this too jose fought his entire career at 45 connor think fucked up his brain lost a max twice and then he went down to 35 and let me remind you he was not a small featherweight it wasn't like oh jose small no he's a massive massive bantamweight and i think that's another thing that might that that might fuck up marab i don't know if he'll be able to take jose's not small at 35 dude he's big he's a big 35er man yeah i mean aldo's only well at least based off the tape he's only an inch taller than marab only has a two inch longer reach and i think um yeah two inch uh longer legs so i mean it doesn't look like that'd be much of a difference, but I promise you when it comes to trading blows, like that inch and a half of distance on someone like plays a huge part, whether you need to set up a takedown, like whether you need to get within striking range, like it's def it's definitely going to be um, in Aldo's advantage. And that's probably the last thing you want to do going up against a guy like Aldo, because I mean, every part of his game is just, at, at least at this point in his career is like perfect. Like, Obviously, there's things you can tweak here and there, he but make, you he doesn't make errors. Doing. There's no errors in his fighting. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I agree. Moving forward from that, though, um, we have, I think, one of the more interesting fights of the night. Uh, we have Paulo Costa, Luke Rockhold. If I can tell you one thing about this, um, it sure as hell is not going the distance. Um, if, if there's one fight you should bet on for not going the distance, this is going to be it. Um, as I like to call it, um, it's the fight for the most handsome man title. Um, we have the sexiest man alive, Paulo Costa, and uh, ranked number six in the middleweight, but that's not important. But then uh, we have Luke Rockhold, excuse me, our, uh, what was it, Ralph Lauren model? Mm -hmm. Ralph yes. Lauren model. Yes, yes. So we have um, some absolute studs in and out of the ring. Um I'm sure this will get a ton of viewership, not only from our male audience, but from our female audiences as well. I don't know which one I'll be tuning in for, but I'll let you know. Um, now, if you were to get my opinion on this fight, I think Paulo Costa is going to baptize Luke Rockhold in the second round. That's just how I feel about the fight. I think Paulo looked amazing during his weight cut. I mean, this is a guy who's known to like have some weight um, cutting issues, but weighed in at 185 and a half pounds. Um, felt in good shape and shout out Paulo for actually telling Usada to go fuck themselves um, because they woke him up in his sleeping room, as he called it. We know Paulo's um, English is perfect. Um, he's still working on it, but um, I appreciate him for trying. But um, yeah, Usada showed up in his sleeping room at 6 a.m. and asked for a blood sample. 
while he was still cutting weight, by the way, um, I don't know if any of you know what that feels like, but it probably was the worst thing they could have done to that man at six in the morning um, because you're not even allowed to eat. You can barely even drink water. And um, the one thing he could he's not he's not even drinking water at that time. There's no water. Yeah. 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 And at that point, the only thing he can control is his sleep schedule. And you woke him up at six in the morning and we're like, we're going to need to suck whatever we, you have left in your body, whatever fluids you have, we're going to put them in this file. Um, so yeah, I bet he really hated that. And he did because he showed it in the conference. Um, but I can't say who won the media battle though, because Luke Rockhold coming out and telling full send uh, reporter, I forget his name, but you need to do your fucking homework, buddy. Um, golden moment. Um, for putting a journalist in their place um obviously in my opinion i think journalism has lost a lot of rep give the context give the context to why why he did that yeah okay so let's get let's go through a little background here so the full send reporter um had previously interviewed rockhold's teammate uh and friend uh cheeto right before I, the fight right before the dom fight. Right before? yeah it was, it was like the day before the dom fight a week ago Okay, yeah, so the day before the down fight a week ago, um, he interviewed him, and he told Cheeto, he's like, I have a gift for you. Brings out a luchador mask, gives it to him, but as we know, Cheeto's Ecuadorian, not Mexican, and Robbie, the full scent, or I don't know if his name's Robbie, I don't want to accidentally accredit someone that this wasn't about, but the full scent reporter, um, because I think the fight was in Mexico, he just assumed or said like the close fight, enough. The fight was in San Diego, which has like a big Mexico following. Uh, that's what it was, yeah. And then he gives him the mask. Cheeto obviously didn't really like care for it, like react to it like amazingly. But Luke obviously uh, got offended on his part, didn't like it very much, called him out at the press conference saying, you need to do your homework, you need to do your job, which was 100% true. Um, I think Luke was well within his right for calling him out um, as journalists. I think as our port are on us to present the best facts in the best way possible. Um, and it definitely just kind of looked like he was kind of just fucking off, like not taking it too seriously, like really just taking advantage of the moment a little too much. Like kind of like if the UFC is going to allow you to be there as a media personality and have access, to, like interview these fighters, like you should be doing it for the fans sake of like, trying to get, news out not to just do it for your own personal gain that's kind of like my thing is too zach if you're going to make fun of an athlete like if you're going to be a journalist make fun of an athlete the last guys you should make fun of is fucking ufc fighters yeah that's the worst cheeto vera would literally kick your head off your body like that is the last guy you should be trying to like make racist jokes about i mean i'm pretty sure nate diaz already slapped slapped him yeah it's the same reporter nate diaz slapped yeah so obviously he's had a problem with fighters before and it's like a respect thing. Like it's just obviously not improving from what I've seen. Um, but you know, not my place to talk, but I will give my two cents. Feel free to take them. Um, teach their own, honestly, at the end of the day. But yeah, Luke, back to where this all started. Uh, I think Paulo has been winning the mental warfare of this, I'd say. Um, he's been very effective in how he's gone about it, kind of like with the whole like secret juice stuff. Um, so I think it's hilarious. Um, but yeah, Paulo definitely doesn't need steroids. He has the perfect body. Um, he's the sexiest man alive, and he's gonna baptize Luke Rockhold in this middleweight belt. 
So yeah, bet on Luke or bet on Paulo Costa. Excuse me. So this is one of those fights where it's like the I think the last I think the last thing I could relate it to is probably uh, Chandler Gaethje, where it's just like or even Chandler Tony. It's like fuck, somebody has to lose. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just like I I love both these guys so much. Um, but first I want to give some background. So Luke Rockhold, right? Dude, he's another guy that's fought fucking everyone. Let's listen. So, so first of all, first the most important thing out of everything, this man was a strike force world champion and a and a um and a uh UFC world champion. So when it comes to when it comes to preparation and knowing what it takes and and a, another a big thing in, in my opinion is when you're fighting a guy like Costa is not having fear. I don't think he, Luke Rockhold fears him. He's been a world champion twice in two different organizations. So he definitely knows what it takes to be champ, you know? Mm-hmm. But, dude, listen to this list of guys he's fought. In, I, I'll say when he lost, but even just fought in general. He beat Jacare Souza, beat Keith Jardine. He beat Tim Kennedy. He lost to Vitor Belfort. He beat Tim Boschick. He beat Tim Boschick. He beat Michael Bisbing, beat Leota Machida, beat Chris Weidman. Then he lost to Michael Bisbing. Then he then he uh, beat David Branch and then lost to Yo Romero and lost to Jan Bochowitz. He's fought everyone. Dude's fought fucking everyone. Okay? So you got to give him that credit. Granted, he was at uh, middleweight when he won the champ. Went back up to light heavyweight. Didn't work out. Came back down to middleweight. I like that move for him. Um, like I said, I do like the, the confidence and he knows – what it takes to get there. Hasn't fought since 2019, which definitely is going to hurt him. Definitely has the sexiest kicks out of anything. His, dude, his question mark kick is literally textbook. Like, it is. Do you think it's the best in the game? What? Do you think his question mark kick's the best in the game? Yes, 100%. Yes. I don't know if he has the best overall, like, arsenal of kicks. I think there's a lot of guys you could argue. I think Cheeto's up there. But I do think his question mark kick is the best question mark kick in MMA. 100%. Um. The second thing is, back to what I said about Marab, I want to bring the same thing up about Luke Rockhold. Greatness performs well when it's surrounded by greatness. You see it with, with um, Gaethje, Usman, and Rose. You see it at ATT. You see it at all the, the, the Izzy camp we discussed. We, when, when you're surrounded by greatness, greatest, great things happen. Cheeto Vera is Luke Rockhold's boy, okay? They did their fight camp together. And as someone who's done fight camps with my teammates – such as uh, Edgar Delgado, Steve Morris, Carlos Espinosa, like guys that are very legitimate fighters in the Florida fight game right now. I can tell you firsthand, it's a lot better when, when your teammates are doing great. It helps you become great. You know what I mean? You know, greatness rubs off. And, and they did their fight camps together. Their, their fights one week apart. They trained together. Luke went to his Cheetos fight. Cheetos here with Luke. That's definitely going to help. Now, Paulo Costa is arguably the strongest man in middleweight, arguably. Yeah. Like, extremely, extremely, extremely powerful. I mean, just look at him. Dude's scary. He missed weight, had to fight at, at uh, he had to fight at uh, light heavyweight against Marvin Vittori because he just wasn't, he just wasn't making it. Another guy's fought a lot of people, dude. He's fought Johnny Hendricks, Uriah Hall, Yoel Romero, Izzy, Marvin Vittori. I mean, dude's dude's a murderer. I mean, bro, before his Yo Romero, before his Yo Romero fight, he was twelve and zero with twelve finishes. Yeah. And by the way, that Yo Romero Paulo Costa, I'm pretty sure this is the anniversary date for it of that fight, if I'm not mistaken. It was and yesterday. Was it yesterday? It was Thursday, yeah. Regardless. 
one of the best fights we've seen from at least personalities. Um, I mean, they went to war. I mean, there was that exchange where Paulo looked like he's going to drop you all, and then you all turn around and drop Paulo. So it was absolutely insane. But I mean, you look off his track record. I mean, he's fought some top of the division guys. Like it's not like he's just like cruising by um with cupcakes here and there just picking up wins i mean even though he's not fighting as often like he's still fighting really quality opponents um but he did look great from his weight cut he looked super focused driven um he's been cracking hilarious jokes so he's definitely laid back um and looking forward to it no i do agree with what you said uh media wise they've both been killing it media wise you know luke's been like saying fuck you to the ufc and like all this shit and paulo's paulo's just on twitter being hilarious um, with my pick, I really, really, really want Luke to win. I, I, I love Luke. I'm a big Luke fan. Um, he's got a glass jaw, dude. He's got a glass jaw. And to the extent that it, it has been broken against Yo Romero and Jan Blachowicz. So, um, dude, Paul. The, the thing is, do I think Luke can win? Absolutely. He's a UFC and strike force middleweight champion of the world. He knows what it takes. But when I'm looking at it from a better's point of view, right, there's just so many more ways for Paulo to win than Luke. There just is. I'm sorry. His cardio is better. He is, even though he cuts a lot of weight, he went five rounds with Marvin. He, they, they stood and banged. You know, he went three rounds with, with Yoel and stood and banged. Um, yeah. There's just a lot more ways for Paulo to win. And it's like kind of low key feels like the UFC wants to get rid of Luke. It's kind of like, all right, you're speaking too much because Luke doesn't need the UFC. He's on a, like, and I don't know how, to the extent the contract of Ralph Lauren, but he's making a lot of money. He's making a lot yeah. of money. So he yeah. doesn't really need it. He just loves it. Um, do I think that changes his, changes his focus for the fight? Absolutely not. Especially, like I said, with Cheeto knocking out Dominic Cruz and showing how well his camp went, it's definitely going to benefit Luke Rockhold. But something that I feel like uh, we didn't discuss real quick, Zach, Luke Luke Rockwood has a five inch reach on him, seventy seven inches over seventy two. Ah, uh, dude, I don't know. I feel like honestly, what it comes down to is like the one thing you cannot have going into a fight with Paulo Costa is a weak chin. Like, oh no, that's I, like I completely that agree. is the yeah. that is the worst thing you could possibly have against fighting like like most of the other guys in the division like i'd probably like let you get away with it but paulo costa like probably swinging for the fences like you're telling me he's not gonna land one shot like and i i just don't see luke surviving like one big exchange from paulo and paulo is definitely gonna get his in like it's not like he's been known to like go entire fights being shut down like he's banged with victoria as you said like he's stood banged with a lot of good strikers in the in the division um and he's number six ranked for a reason um, they still UFC at least still thinks he's one of the best, but I like what you Coming said about minus four hundred on their site. They have them at minus three sixty right now. All right, minus three sixty. Luke Rockhold's at plus three hundred, I think. Plus two ninety five. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Same thing. Um. Yeah. Still close, but I mean, I kind of agree. Like Luke Rockhold, like former champion. Everyone has a ton of respect for him, but it's kind of that. It's kind of that time, like. He's as 37. Much as he's 37. Yeah. And he's kind of giving me those like grumpy old man vibes. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, let's go. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, like he's just the guy that's just gonna be like, man, nah, shut the fuck up. Like, um, I don't care. I don't. I, I'm not gonna say cost as a lock because I really don't think so. I do think he's going to win, but from a betting perspective, and we're talking putting money down, I don't think he's a lock. I do think a knockout is a lock. I think it's a 100 <laughs> percent TKO KO. Somebody's getting fucking put to sleep. Second round. Second Somebody, round. Somebody's getting put to sleep. There's absolutely no way these guys are going the distance. There's just no shot. There's there's yeah. literally no way. There's no way. They're both KO machine. And like and like in respect to both of them, but they both finish people. They don't. They're not decision fighters. Um, if I'm caught, I want to go real quick, Zach, before we go to the the main event. How to win? The keys to win for both these guys. If I'm Costa, I'm doing exactly what you said. I'm throwing nukes. I'm gonna. I I am. I'm gonna. I don't want the kicks. It's gonna be a lot similar to Marab. I don't want the kicks from Rockhold. I want to just throw nukes. I don't think Rockhold can knock him out with one clean shot. I think he's gonna have to hit him with a couple. But I do think Costa can knock him out with one clean shot. Now, if I'm Rockhold, I'm gonna use the first round to just destroy his legs, chop him, chop him, chop him, chop him. And then second, third round, use my wrestling. His legs will be tired. His sprawl is going to be a lot weaker. I think that's what I would do. Like I said, it's a lot easier said than done. These are world-class fighters. But I, if I had to pick, I'm going I'm going Costa knockout. Or it's KO, TKO, you know, putting them to sleep. Um, this is weird. Um, the odds for Paulo Costa to win by knockout are minus 150. Like, they're, like normally, like, betting odds are usually like i've never seen it like in favor so they must know for a fact this man's gonna baptize luke because for luke for luke to win by submission plus 1000 i could easily see like if luke were to win it would i could see be- luke dropping him getting on top and arm barring him or like getting him in a chair yeah. i could see that yeah odds- very good luke has very good grappling yeah and odds to win by ko for luke are plus 1,000 as well. So if you think Luke's going to win at all, like by anything, go bet. Yo, throw 100 on that. Throw Just, yeah. just throw 100 on it. Yeah, because no like – way. It's plus 1,000 for him to, to knock him out. And – or submit him. So either way, either way you look at it, whichever one you think he's going to do, I don't – personally, personally, I don't think Paulo – let me double-check this, but I'm like 90% sure. Yeah, Paulo has an 80% takedown defense. He – Really never goes for any submissions. He's just too heavy, bro. You know how heavy yeah. I bet he, when he sprawls, it's like feels like 400 pounds. Yeah. I will say this, though. I will say this. Luke Rockhold has a 50% um, submission win rate. So 67% takedown percentage, which is not bad for someone yeah, who doesn't shoot that often. Not bad. So, mm. Dude, if you have any leftover money just to say fuck it, throw 100 <laughs> on him to finish. Yeah. Plus 1,000? Plus 1,000. Okay? Yeah. This dude's last one, two, three, four, five, six. This dude's last seven of eight wins, or or we can do nine of 11, are finishes. Luke Rockhold's last nine of 11 wins are finishes. Dude, come on. That's crazy. Plus 1,000? You gotta just throw um, it. You gotta just throw it. You gotta just throw it. Throw a little. Throw fifty on it. You win five hundred bucks. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Anyway, moving forward, we have our main event. It's of the- time. 
Oh, can't wait to hear Bruce Buffer back in action. But Kamara Usman, the champ of the welterweight division, versus Leon Edwards, number two ranked fighter. I um, win streak. With his last loss coming against this man. But, um, yeah, I one thing I will say, Leon is not the same fighter he was when he fought um, Kamaru the first Wait, time. It was in 2017, I think, right? Yeah. It was in like, 2015, bro, seven years ago. Yeah, like Leon's made huge strides um, to being a complete all-around fighter. Um, I think he's one of the most – complete fighters but the problem is is he is going up against the pound for pound greatest fighter right now on planet earth like this man is fucking terrifying like i would never stand across from this man in a ring um he's 20 and one fuck a ring bro you wouldn't stand across from anywhere oh yeah but nah nah because i would be a fan and like a chick-fil-a like when nick ran into him at chick-fil-a i'd be like yo lose man yeah yeah, like, and and you know he loves the fans, so he's oh, gonna yeah. just like, yeah, he's gonna wave, shout back, like, wouldn't be scared of him there. Now, I did run in the Robbie uh, Lawler one time in a restaurant because I was a server, and I thought if I were to drop his food, he was just gonna like elbow me in the throat. Like, I thought I was just gonna die. Yo, um, on a serious note, shout out our friend Mitchell Turner. Mitch Turner, shout you out. He met Kamara Usman uh, not too long ago, and he said word for word. It was the most intimidating presence of a human being I've ever been around. That's what he said. He said, I've never felt a presence so intimidating in my entire life. And Mitch is bigger than Usman. Mitch is like 6'2", 6'3", like over 200 pounds. He's a big boy. And he said Usman was – he wasn't even being mean. He just said the presence of him was intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. I totally believe it too because I feel like if you were to see him, like you've literally seen this man try to murder people for a living – and and not just like any people that. he's murdering other murderers yeah so i feel like if you were to see him in person like your first thought would were to be just like if he wanted to he could kill me kill and I have, yeah yeah and i mean that that's always crazy to me to think about um sorry for getting off topic here but like when the jail stunning thing came out where he beat five men in a bar fight i'm like oh my like, dude that was jail stunning like could you imagine what like john jones could do if like you pissed him off in a public area like, 20 people in the vicinity are going to the hospital, like, at least. But That's what's yeah. crazy to think about, bro. Like, he can go – like, if you're Kamara Usman, like, you can go – any place you go in the world, for the most part, you could kill 99% of those people. Mm. 99. Now, like, you got your strong men, you got, like, like, your NFL offensive linemen where they wouldn't beat the shit out of Usman, but, like, he wouldn't destroy them. You know what I mean? But, like – he could go to any bar where he's at and he is literally could kill every single person there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Leon's going to die this weekend though. Getting back to the topic. Um, I 100% think um, as much as he's improved. Um, dude, I just, I don't see, it. I know we talked about it. Um, I know we've discussed like where Leon's improved and what he needs to focus on going into the fight. But Kamaru just, he looks like he'll never lose a step. Like I feel he's always been on top of his game. He knows exactly where he needs to improve, how to improve. I feel like his game plan for every fight has been absolutely perfect. 
He's got one of the best jabs um, I've ever seen. Like I've never seen so many people get put on their ass from a jab in my life until he fought Gilbert Burns. I'm always throwing used to have a filthy jab. Just going to say that real quick. Cowboy used to have just a very balanced. Cowboy was a very diverse striker in his prime. He could hit you with anything. But anyways, back to the back. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. I think Leon's clinch game has become one of the best in the sport. The problem is you do not want to get into the clinch with probably the strongest men, man in your division. Like, you, there's no way you're out wrestling Kamaru, bro. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't care how good you think your clinch is. Like, I know your strikes out of the clinch are amazing. Like, I've seen his knees. I've seen his elbows. Dude, that video of his elbows. Disgusting. Horrifying. Disgusting. The problem, is, the problem is, like, you try to set that up against Kamaru, Kamaru's just going to take you to the ground. Like, and he's going to make this a nice and easy ground and pound. He's going to gas you out for all five rounds. Like, he's got experience like he knows what to do in these situations and he's just lapping the division honestly like you have to bring something completely new um to the table this time around but i love what kamaru said about leon because um he said when leon said he knows he's gonna win or something like that leon already saw kamaru once lost and knows what he has to do next time to in his mind think he's gonna win so Kamaru's already acknowledging that he thinks Leon's improved tenfold compared to the last time they fought. So Kamaru's going to give him that respect. But because of that, I don't think Leon stands any chance of like catching Usman slipping. Like in any, any at any point in the match, I just don't see him catching him slipping. I mean, I know we've seen Colby Covington um, rock Usman a couple times um, with some solid striking, but I just don't Burns think drop him. Yeah, or Burns dropping him, but I just don't see Leon putting himself in those same positions um to get that done I'm literally blinding my camera right now this yeah, is yeah uh, uh what I want to say is going real quick uh, I'm gonna back up a little bit what you're talking about Leon's clinch game so I actually as a as a fan and as a fighter and as a student of the game I have actually taken a lot of notes and and started uh what, what's the word I'm started started contributing a lot of things that Leon does in his clinch in my own game so my favorite thing he does, which is absolutely filthy, is when he's in a clinch, he's in like a pummel position right here, right? So he has an overhook on the left side and there's mm-hmm. an underhook, excuse me, he has an underhook on the left side and an overhook on the right side. Instead of clearing the overhook like normal where you like bring your arm up and go under to get an underhook, he holds it tight and he slides off and throws an elbow. He has mm-hmm. the overhook here like this. So he has this one's under and this one's over. And instead of like, like clearing it to re-wrestle, he slides an elbow to get his underhook. And he does. Yeah. It's filthy. It's filthy. But um, the issue is here, and it's it's this is if you follow MMA even more just a little bit more than a casual, you understand the UFC did not want Leon to get a title fight. They think he's boring, yeah. they think he doesn't have a big following, they never wanted it, but it became to a spot where he's 10 fights without losing, you know, because one was a draw to Bilal because of the eye poke. Um mm-hmm. He, you, you just couldn't not give it to him. I've recently became a big fan of Leon. I'm not going to lie to you. I think he, his arsenal is, dude, I'm a kind of fighter. And you hear me, it's my saying now is expect violence when I fight. You know, violence is what I want. Violence is what I go for. Violence is what wins fights and what's put asses in seats, which is what makes you a living in this sport. And Leon is fucking violent. 
He throws elbows. He throws punches. He throws kicks. He is extremely violent. The issue is at stake is it's a lot like the Jose Aldo fight. I don't see Leon throwing anything at Usman that Usman hasn't seen before. I just, I don't, I'm sorry. Um, And I always talk to my dad about this. And as I become older, the more I realize how important this aspect is to all sports, but specifically fighting is composure. Usman has the most insane composure I've ever seen in my entire life out of a fighter. He can get rocked and dropped, get up, and he's just super calm, and he's fighting the same way. You saw it with Burns. You saw it with Colby. You saw it, you see it all the time. His composure is the most elite I've ever seen out of any fighter. He is so composed, and that's really hard as a fighter too. When a lot of fighting is reading off body language, reading did that kick hurt? Um, it, 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 I can feel his cardio. I can feel his pace is different. You when you fight Usman, he fights the exact same for all five rounds. He keeps the same face, the same pace, the same pressure, the same style. He does not budge. And that makes it very difficult. Um, but I don't think Usman can finish Leon. I don't. I really, I really don't. Um, I think Leon's striking is much better. I don't think he's I don't think Leon's as powerful of a striker as Usman, but I think Usman's striking is better. And I know the thing that's going to come back at me that everyone's going to talk about and it's going to, that they're going to say is, well, Nate Diaz dropped Leon in the last minute of the 25-minute fight. You are absolutely correct. And Usman doesn't, is way more powerful than Nate Diaz, 100%. But if you go back and watch that fight and you don't just watch that one-minute clip, Usman beat the dog shit out of Nate Diaz for 20 Leon. Leon, excuse me, for 24 yeah. minutes. Absolutely ragdolled him. You know how exhausting yeah. it is to beat the shit out of someone for 24 minutes, Zach? I mean, it's exhausting. Yeah. It's exhausting. So he was gassed. Now, the thing that I talked about my dad with this morning as well is, yes, that, that he, he shouldn't have been dropped. Absolutely. Okay, I agree. That that Nate thing was crazy. But he's also going to fight Usman a lot different than he fought Nate Diaz. When he fought Nate Diaz, he understood, I can eat a punch or two. Nate doesn't have one punch knockout. He knows fighting Usman, I cannot let him stick me because Usman has one punch knockout power. I don't think Leon's going to win. I kind of want him to. I'm not going to lie. I think he would, it would really fuck things up and give Colby a shot to be a champion. But I think Usman's going to – I think Usman is going to try to stand with him. If he feels like he's winning the stand-up, he's going to – I think it's going to be a boring-ass fight. I'm not going to lie to you. I think it's going to be very boring. I think it's either going to be Usman picking his shots and, and kind of like staying outside on, on Leon or he's going to take him down and just and do what he did to Jorge the first fight. I think it's going to be extremely boring, but I think, I think Usman's decision is your safe bet here. Personally, yeah. Um, honestly, if you were looking to make some money this fight, I would have gone. The only way I could see Leon winning is through decision. Um, I just don't see any way he could put Usman away. Um, I think Usman has. I what, think it's the, the best. other way around. I think the only way Leon wins is to finish him. Really? I think he has to finish him. He has to either get. If I'm if I'm if I'm Dana White or like I'm the judges or whoever, if I'm in charge of the result, I think Edwards has to finish him. He has to get two 10-8 rounds. That's the only way he's beating Usman. I think. I don't know. The person to get a ten eight round on him is Gilbert Burns, I believe. It, and that might not even be a ten eight round. So check me on I that. I don't even. I don't even think it was a ten eight round. To be honest, I don't think he's ever had a ten eight against him. He has. He has had some rounds. I will say that where he has had some significant damage done to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't think I've ever seen a fight where he got absolutely dominated for a round. Dropped, yes. 
but I don't think that always dictates um, a 10-8 round. One of the things um, I'll add to this Usman thing before we move forward into our other talking points. I think I forgot what I was going to say. We'll just delete that out. Um, I think it had something to do with um, – it's on my Twitter, but the problem is I can't go on my laptop because of the brightness. One second. What is it? Estee Usman? Yeah. It's on your Twitter or Clock's Twitter? Clock's. Clock's. Yeah, by the way, guys, if you want to know anything we're talking about, like with reposts or like any social media, like our Twitter is active with MMA 24-7. C-O-T-S pod, active 24-7. You said it had to do with uh, Usman, Zach? Yeah. Is it? I once heard someone say that whenever Karmar Usman speaks, it sounds like he's telling ghost stories. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. That was the funniest co- – because when you actually look back at any of his videos now, it's 100% true. And he feels like he's telling a story, which I love. I think it's hilarious. No hate towards Usman. I think he's one of the greatest champions we've seen. But it was so funny reading it. Um, but that kind of leads me into one of our talking points. Um, someone came point? out with – What's your pick, though? What's your pick? I got Usman decision. Usman decision. Uh, obviously. Just if anyone wants to try to make money – Leon by decision, but no guarantees on that end of things. Um, if you have a gambling addiction, look up some help center. I don't know. We're not professionals. You get the point. Anyway, I saw a comment made earlier where someone had said that they thought Usman's fame, they'd let it get to his head a little bit, like with all the shirtless stuff. I forget yes, who made the yes, comment. This has been a big topic this, this week. Yeah. So what I wanted to ask you, Grayson, was do you think the fame has gotten to some of the champions head or in your opinion do you think they've earned the right to like kind of show out and act that way because they are the best of the best and champions of the world you're asking about Usman specifically or in general champions when they get this fame Mm. let's go with Usman just for now and then if we need to broaden the topic then yeah we'll go there Whatever is easier to speak on, I'll say that. So I'll give you both. I'll give you both. So yeah. typically, typically when when guys in the sport reach a certain level of fame where they become literally A-list celebrities, Kamar Usman's pretty damn close to an A-list celebrity. If he goes somewhere, people are going to know who he is. You know, he's the number one pound for pound. He's technically the baddest motherfucker on the planet, okay? He's pretty much an A-list celebrity. Um. When you see guys like that, they tend they have a lot of tendencies to fight like shit because they get distracted. And there's time and time again, this is came. I don't want to use Connor as an example because Connor, I don't believe it happened to him. I think when he got to that point, he stepped away from fighting. And then when he mm-hmm. came back, he was fully in it. But the problem was he fought fucking Khabib and Dustin Poirier, two of the best lightweights to ever walk the planet Earth. You know, so I don't think it had anything to do mm-hmm. with with the media, but it happens a lot, Zach. And John Jones, prime example. I mean, John Jones, a little bit, yes. I think that what hurt John Jones a lot too was not being able to take steroids anymore or like any drugs like that. But look, the most, the biggest one ever is George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre losing to Matt Serra. I, I do believe pre Nunez, Julia Pena, that's the biggest title fight upset of all time. I do believe so. And George mm-hmm. St. Pierre talks about it. He, he reached fame. He was partying all the time. He thought Sarah was a joke. It happened to him. 
it also happened to um you go and look at uh holy shit i just blanked out it happened to George St. Pierre and it happened to, there's another fighter it happened to i can't remember but there is there is a tendency of when guys reach that i mean even cowboy to an extent they reach that that certain level of fame it's not that they're not training hard. Let, let me get this wrong. They're, they're doing the same training regimen, but it's their purpose for training is different. Mm. And that, that is a lot different. When you're in your mindset of, I have to win, I have to win, or, uh, you know, it, either or. But there's also guys that I will also back and support that it does the opposite effect. And I believe a, a big proponent of this is Sugar Sean. His fame mm. has made him want to be more because now he's like, I have, if I lose, it's all on me. Like there's so much things on me. So I do believe it works in both aspects. Okay, I do believe the fame lights a fire in a lot of guys. And I do believe that the, the fame destroys a lot of guys. And if I had to pick one that I do believe does more, is I do believe the fame crushes them more. But with Kamara Usman, you know, he's getting this movie deal. He's becoming extremely famous. There's fights with talk, him talk, uh, talking about fighting Canelo. It, I cannot give you a, an opinion yet, Zach, to what happens. And I think this is going to be the fight that dictated, personally. Especially with him now being announced in the new Black Panther movie. Mm. But the tendency is, majority of the time, people underperform with that much attention on them. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I think Leon was the one that came out and said the comments anyway. Um, no, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of talk. There's been a lot of talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just want to make sure I wasn't crazy for just thinking that up. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, I think Usman's um very wise and just like his character like he always seems like a very genuine person like down to earth says things how they are doesn't really like beat around the bush bullshit um whereas i like how you bring up that comparison um for sugar sean about how like he puts all this pressure on himself for like if he loses um he kind of knows he's fucked type deal um another person i was going to say though that came to mind was colby covington yes i agree um because i think that anyone that's like met him has said good things about him but like his media personality he feels like he has to act that way in order to like draw fan attention because i remember we used to have these talks before about how um he was about to get cut by the ufc because he really just didn't have much of a personality like he didn't like show out do anything crazy and then his last fight he just said fuck it and went absolutely captain insano on the media and people ate that shit up called brazilians dirty like either like dirty pieces of shit or like dirty garbage in brazil after beating damian maya yeah like just went full don't give a fuck mentality and blew up because of it but honestly i can't tell if that's more so to blame on society's part or his part because if it works, like kind of as the saying goes, if it's broke, don't fix it. And if that's making you money and giving you a contract, be the asshole everyone wants you to be. Like all power to you. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Obviously, there's a time and a place for everything. Whether or not he knows how to switch between the two, that's on him. Then again, I'm not the one fighting for millions of dollars to get punched in the face every day. No, I like I like what you said though. Like, like, uh, listen, I am a Colby fan. I'm not gonna sit here and act. I, do I think he's a good person? I'm not saying that, but I am a fan of his fighting style, dude. His pace and pressure and volume of strikes is unbelievable, unbelievable. If Kamaru Usman didn't exist, Colby Covington's the world champion. But do I think he goes crosses? <laughs> do I think he crosses the line sometimes? 
absolutely. But I love the point he always makes when he backs himself up when he says stupid shit. No, no matter what words he says, at the end of the day, he's getting locked into a cage with you, and you're gonna try to kill each other. Like, like words can only go so far. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that's another thing is like some of them are so self aware about it. Like, even Sean, like now that I've listened to like more of his interviews and stuff, like he literally was saying how like Peter had all these wins and like he was already a well established fighter within the league. He's like, I've literally fought no one really, and he's like. I got guys like Cheeto who beat me yet. I'm fighting probably the next in line to the champion. And Cheeto has to sit there while his, while his ranking doesn't even get improved after beating Dominic Cruz. That's so. Yeah. If you guys didn't know that Cheeto is still at number five after knocking out Dominic Cruz, he's Dominic Cruz's only ever non-title loss. And he didn't even move in the rankings. That's insane. I don't know. I really, I kind of wish like, because I don't think Dana's responsible for the UFC rankings at all. I mean, if he wanted to say something, he could, but I don't really think he's got to say it. I, 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 don't, I think that's beyond him. I don't think he really gives a shit about that. Okay, yeah. So, if he's not responsible for it, whoever is, I need them to come out with, like, reasonings for some of the rankings they give these guys. Because him not moving up at all from that win, like, that was a very impressive win. Like, super fucking impressive. And you're saying he didn't move up a single spot? Like, I just think that's bullshit. Yeah, to me. not like, even that, one. That, like, like, dude, I understand. You don't have to put him at three or two, but he should at least be four over, over Corey Sanhagen. Like, yeah. At least. Because three yeah. is Jose, and Jose beat him. I understand that. That makes complete sense. But, but I, listen, I'm a huge Corey Sanhagen fan. And I, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this because it goes right into our next topic, by the way. I'm a huge Corey Sanhagen fan, but he hasn't done anything. He's fighting in the number 11 guy. Like why wouldn't why wouldn't why wouldn't Dom or uh, Cheeto jump him? That makes no sense. Yeah, I but, agree. Like and... I said, going to the the next topic though, Zach, that that does I think this does prove our point that that uh that bantamweight is is the best division in the UFC. Yes. Uh, the okay. Before we start listing off why bantamweight is the goat, um. In my opinion, the second and third slot, just to me, I think 155, which I think is lightweight, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. yeah lightweight. Now, here's where I struggle. Because in my three spot, I don't know if I want light heavyweight or 145. Is 145 welterweight? Yeah, no. 145 is featherweight. Uh, 170. Featherweight. See... Mm, I don't know if I'd put light heavyweight because, dude, we've had some bangers. Yeah, we have out of light heavyweight, like some men, like pre okay, pre Usada, light heavyweight and heavyweight was the best division to watch because yeah, you just had a bunch of juiced up out of the gills. Yeah, you just had two hundred and fifty pound like roid balls, um, actually throwing haymakers, um, for three rounds, and it was awesome. Like no one gave a shit about anything. They didn't even use, like, they barely even put Vaseline on him back then. They literally just threw him in there with sneakers and four-ounce gloves and were like, actually murder each other. We don't care. We have five grand on a table waiting for you. And guess what? We have five grand. (laughs) Yeah, and and you can do as much drugs as you want. We don't care. We really don't care. So literally every, like, professional wrestler was just like, I'm so doing this shit. 
they're like let's let's go and it was awesome to watch they they may have saved the sport long enough for guys like connor to come along i mean obviously there's i don't want me to, i don't want this to make me sound like a casual i said connor but there's so many other journeymen and like pinnacle fighters that have well, made connor, the sport connor made connor made the sport a list 100 yes. you can never argue that yes. now were there other superstars that that increased it and made it happen absolutely but connor's the first ever like famous superstar to emerge out of mma yeah when i think when i think of like early ufc like first generation fighters i think of like chuck liddell yes. rampage jackson like these are guys that were randy couture randy couture yeah. like these are guys that just look the part like they looked the part they played the part they they made the sport what it is but then you had guys like connor come on the scene like even in even for this generation of fighters we kind of see like the new wave um because i i think once we saw dom get knocked out like for me that was another one of those moments where i was like I was like, damn, this generation's done. I was like, we watched the birth of these guys' career, and surely we're about to see the end. So, well, dude, this is the first, and like I tell people this all the time, this is the first, the our age, twenty-one year olds, 20, eighteen to twenty-three, are the first generation of people who grew up as kids wanting to be MMA fighters. That that never happened. You know what I mean? Right. It was the, the kids didn't grow up going to MMA. Kids didn't like. It, you usually got into it when you were later. Or you were a wrestler. Or you had one martial art that held you, and you came into it. This is the first generation that we've seen, like where we were. I was four years old when I did my first jujitsu class. Literally, I was four years old in my first jujitsu class. You know, we're the first generation where we're seeing people evolve from youth to middle school to high school to professional to, to amateur to professional. You know, that didn't happen. So now it's like, dude, I can't even imagine what the next generation is about to be like. It's going to be insane. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think it's another thing you talked about, like we didn't really like grow up with it, but now we see this generation starting to. Back then you fought or wrestled or did some form of combat for one of two main reasons. If you went for the money side of things, you did boxing for the most part. That was where the money was to be made. You just stuck it out from a young age from there. If you wanted it for the glory or the respect aspect, you were a wrestler through and through. Like, there's a reason why, like, most of the wrestling scene isn't really about, like, any of the money involved. Like, yeah, sponsorships have become a prevalent part about it. But, like, if you're even if you're an Olympic wrestler, you're probably not making that much money. Yeah, dude, through. I would say the only guy that's touching millions is Jordan Burroughs in the United States. No one else is touching millions. Yeah. And he's not even touching millions. He might be touching million. Yeah. And that's that's it. But now – we started to see like you can dedicate your life to MMA. And the thing is, this is another problem is like the UFC is like really the only super mainstream one as of now. Like if you were to ask people like, oh, do you know about MMA? People would be like, oh, you mean the UFC? Like that's what they would know it as. Well, I would like, say, I, no, I do agree casually, but I do, I do. Yes. I would say that, that uh, Bellator and PFL are definitely getting there. They're definitely getting there, especially with um, Bellator's CBS, I believe, and then PFLs on ESPN. Like they're definitely, they're not UFC. I'm not. I'm not trying to discredit what you said, Zach. I do agree with what you said. But I mean, when think about it, when I was a kid, people didn't even know. What, bro, I remember when I was a kid, and I told people that my dad would be like, "Yeah, my son does mixed martial arts." Oh, your kid does karate. It does taekwondo. No, no, no. My son does mixed martial arts. That wasn't a thing. I'd tell people like my teachers in school when I was like in elementary, like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" I was like, "I want to be a UFC fighter." Like, what the hell is that? 
you know, like they, they didn't know what it was. And like, I'd have to go watch fights with my dad on like Wednesday nights on spike TV. That's how fights yeah. were like, it, it, and it's insane, dude, the evolution of this sport and the speed in which it grew and got signed by ESPN is unbelievable to me. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, even as it's steadily growing, like, my only fear is that its rate of production is going a little too well to be sustainable. Like we already kind of see like our first, we have our first major problems that we've seen in a long time. Like we see more and more people um, coming out and talking about fighters pay. Um, This will actually perfectly roll into our next topic, but um, we kind of see uh, some fighters take issue with the fighters pay. We kind of see the need arise for like a fighters union um, because more no, fighters have. That'll never happen. That'll never happen. You really don't think so? Now, do you think it will? Dude, any guys that like discuss it or bring it up or threaten Dana, they just get cut. Yeah. Or they get just fed like a murderer's ro- yeah, row. Yeah. Like, of like Rockhold who fought Yo Romero. He went. He went Michael Bisbing, then some shitty guy, then Yo Romero, and then John Blachowicz, and now Paulo Costa. Remember, kids, if you want to make it far in life, kiss your boss's ass. Um, the issue I, I can tell you the issue too. It's why, if you'd like me to elaborate, is yes. it's the prestige. It's it's the prestige of the UFC. It's that Dana doesn't need anybody. He needs Connor. He'll do whatever the fuck Connor wants. But he doesn't need anybody. If if you're, I mean, if you're John Jones, Connor, Ronda Rousey, George, if you, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna make sure you you look good. But outside of those guys, like he doesn't need you. If you're bitching about your pay, he'll cut you and sign some eighteen year old from São Paulo, Brazil, who well, he's cool with making five thousand a fight. He doesn't need you. The prestige of the UFC is like you're in the you're prestigious. That's that's the whole aspect of it. Now it's getting a little harder, and you're seeing with the Shane Burgos agreement that just happened with the PFL. It's like. Mm-hmm. They're, they're starting to, like you know the PFL one FC I, I think I think the biggest one that that started it all was the trade between Ben Askren and Demetrius Johnson with the UFC and one FC I think that was the first like oh shit other people can pay people too you know yeah. and I think you're seeing it all over with 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 other organizations but at the end of the day like it, it, you see it with Johnny Eblen who just beat Gegard Mousasi who's a top five middleweight of all time no one's counting him they're not even saying he's a top ten middleweight in the world he's the Bellator middleweight champion. You know, it's that it's that feeling. Michael Chandler said it too. He's like, I was Bellator champ, and they were like, well, you know, UFC champ. It's the prestige, and and the other issue is going back. Uh, sorry to rant real quick, Zach. Going back to okay. what we're talking about the ESPN thing. How how ESPN was the best worst thing that ever happened to UFC. It was amazing because it mainstreamed it and it gave, it gave one of the biggest and best sports journalists support and and media and um, advertising and marketing and sports world. But at the same time, they're demanding fights every single weekend. It's so much harder to pay for that. It's also harder to build up big cards. What I think you do is instead of doing that, you get a, you get a, you make, you cut the fights into a third and you do a fight night. You do, you do two fights a month. You do a fight night and a pay-per-view. This cuts your roster smaller, which gives you more money to pay other guys. And instead of getting guys like uh, Sean, uh, not Sean, um, Chris Matino or like, any of these guys that are on one fight contracts to save a card, you make it a minimum of three fights and they get an actual salary pay with insurance. But the problem is ESPN wants fights every single weekend. That's the problem. So it's a weird, there's a weird, there's a weird medium going on right now. Yeah. 
And you see, even if you wanted, even if you wanted fights every week, that's only sustainable in like a seasonal format. Like you need to have some downtime. Yes. You need to have some down or some off time where you would allow for that. But the problem is, is the UFC isn't set up as an organization um, to really run like that. Like we talked a lot about how Dana is more of a promotional based um, owner than he is. What was the thing we compared, compared it to? Like he doesn't pay as much like towards his fighters, but he cares way more about just like getting the fighters names out there. Like he's going to make sure you're known. The UFC is the best marketing in MMA ever, ever. Yeah. And here's one of the, here's one of the biggest problems I have. And I'm glad that um, you mentioned that Luke Rockhold brought it up first, but Francis really um, talked about it, which I saw his quote. I'll get it real quick. Um, But Francis said, it's on the clock Twitter. Yeah. So I have it. It says fighters are ripped off with sponsorship. It's a huge source of revenue for us, but the company keeps exploiting that for their own benefit. I understand that the sport needs to look good with uniforms, but we should at least have a right for a minimum of two approved sponsors for inside the octagon. Now me personally, I completely agree with this hundred percent because let's be honest. One of the biggest things about sports and like logos and stuff is as long as the color scheme is there, you're fine. Like you can have some uniform, like things that are in line and style options that line up and make sense. You know, like for example, when the champion has his shorts, like they get the gold lettering. That's what makes this champion stand out. If you wanted the shorts to be all black, make them all black. Obviously we have, we even have special um, circumstances such as Bryce Mitchell, Doug Nasty, who got his first camo pair of shorts. Pride month. Um, What's up? Pride Month, you get the rainbow lettering on your on your gear. Pride Month, rainbow, perfect. You have all these like individual things, but wouldn't it be so much better if you just gave some of the artistic freedoms um, to your own fighters? And companies would definitely be willing to pay them a fuck ton more, and that would get that would literally get people off your back, Dana. If you want people to stop complaining about money, because if you told them like, yeah, I only pay them like fifty k a fight. But then they turn around and have a $3 million signed sponsorship with some company just because they wear their logo on their ass going into the Bro, fourth round. Fucking like, Anderson Silva had Burger King on his shorts. John Jones had Nike. He had a Nike swish on his shorts. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they got fined for it. But did you really need to find them when they could just be No, they didn't get fined. This is, this is pre-Reebok. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I see now, I see. But I just don't understand where the gain is and not allowing them to work with their own sponsors and wear like their own apparel inside. It's because Dana's not getting the money. Yeah, but fuck, dude, are you really not making enough money? Are you really not yeah, making you know, enough? I, I am, I am on your side. I'm a fighter. I am on your side. I'm, I'm just yeah. saying that's why. Yeah. But I mean, I just, I don't see that Connor, Connor, because the reason you don't hear about Connor arguing it is Connor's a Reebok athlete. Reebok made sure to sponsor Connor. Okay. And then also, yeah, you know, you can have your, your sponsors on your shorts. All right. Connor's going to put a sponsor on the octagon. Like, all right. It makes no sense to me, man. Yeah. Fuck that. It makes no sense to me. Because what's crazy is, is like, you see at like the amateur level, like the kids that throw up their banners over their ringside 
Um, and it has all their sponsors that like sponsors their fights. Like you see in right. every pro organization outside the PFL and UFC. Yeah. But like, what the fuck is that? And I know you want to pride yourself on this productional side of things. Like I think you have uniform. I, I understand the aspect of you, 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 uniformity, you uniformity, uniformity. Yeah. yeah. Some, something yeah. like that. Yeah. But I, I, mean, I understand that. Like, you know, every other sport, it's all uniform. Yeah. You can have a base, but they should be able to build Dude, the PFL, you get, you can put a big – if you have a big sponsor, they'll let you put it on your shorts. They'll let you put your fight camp on your shorts. Like, I don't understand why Reebok can't just do it, and then you give a guy – you give a, you give a pay-per-view guys four sponsors, you give prelim guys two. No, they're not – will they want more? Obviously. But will they argue that? No, they'll be okay with that. Yeah, and I think what kills me is we see how good the promotional um, aspect of UFC is. We see it within the embedded short series episodes. We see it with Dana White contender series. We see it with the ultimate fighter. Like there's all these different things within the UFC that have been gotten such a big following behind. And then people are mainly in it for the fighters that they showcase. Like these guys all have their individual stories. They all have their upbringings that like make them unique and make people like emotionally invested within the sport. But once people find out that no matter how much they support him, like the only money they're ever going to see is what you give to them. Like they can't even make it from their own sponsorships signed within the UFC. Like, yeah, they can make it outside of it, but within the sport, if they want to support them within the sport, the money's only going to Dana's pocket. And I feel like that's only going to piss people off until people are fed up with it. Um, so hopefully that gets changed or some type of union comes into place. I don't know how that's going to work. Uncle Dana obviously is not too fond of that idea. Um, I think we'll know how unhappy he was if he takes down this pod. Um, but we'll that see. That would kind of be a huge thing for us, though. <laughs> yes. If we got in Dana's attention, I'd be like, look, I will sign a one-day fight contract to get my ass beat by Sugar Sean, and you will never hear me talk bad about you again. And I, he'd be like, okay. Would you do it for free? Yes. If, if, if no, like, 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 like that, we got to wrap up uh, in a second, but dead ass, if, if Dana called you and was like, look, I'm not paying you any money, but we'll pay for your flight and we'll pay for your, your hotel and we'll give you free VIP for the rest of the fights of the year. We have to fight Sugar Sean. Would you do it realistically? Two questions. Number one, <laughs> are my medical bills covered for however bad I get my ass beat? And number two, do I get to party with them if I survive the fight? Like all of them. There's no... All right, all right, so... First question, yes. Okay. Second question, you're not surviving. You can maybe survive a round. You're not surviving. Okay, no, 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 no. Survive, we put surviving in the wrong context. When I think of surviving, I think of- Like just not getting not, baptized. Like not shitting my pants. Like Sean said in that one story where he kicked the guy so hard, he legit shit himself <laughs> in the ring. If I ever shat myself in a ring, like if, if UFC like 283 came on, and you just saw me get kicked in the abdomen so hard where I shit myself, I think I would immediately go backstairs and just, like, hang myself. Like, I, I think that'd be the end. I think, like, I, I think though, in this scenario, Zach, you have to take the fight. Uh, the publicity oh, – I'm 100% taking the, it. The connections you would meet and the publicity you would get doesn't matter what happens. Fuck it. You get knocked out. It's a fuck. Crawl on your hands and knees and make him grapple you. Fuck it. I will, I will make it – a mission though i will make it the mission to beat him at media day dude i don't know dumb house slept him like caught him on the chin 
if you somehow just fucking pull it out of your ass, you'd be you would literally become world famous. Yeah, you would literally he'd come to your house and shoot you. You would die pretty soon, but like for a week, for a week, he'd be pretty famous. Yeah, because his UFC career would end. Oh, it's over. Yeah, he's gone he's immediately. Gone. No one will ever talk about him for the rest of his yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, it'd be, it'd be. I feel terrible knowing that I ruined probably my favorite hype train ever. Um, which, by the way, as much as I love Sean, I just can't. I can't say he's going to beat Peter. I, no, there's no way. Yeah, there's no shot. If he does, I want him to beat Peter. I want him to win, but there's no way. I think I think it would make for the craziest upset. The MMA community would break. It would break. The internet would yeah. break. And you and you just know Sean would just laugh his ass off because Dude, he knows. Is, the thing is, I didn't think Connor was gonna one beat Jose, and second of all, sleep him in the first round. I thought Jose was going to murder Connor. Yeah. But then again, dude, after the fact, when they showed that Connor had literally been like practicing that exchange the whole time, like that is just like, like 5D chess level, like understanding your opponent. Like that is some art of war type shit from Connor. Connor in his prime was the best media personality ever. ever. The best fight, the best fighter had the best fighting style for fans. Like count, like, like the reason why some fighters are more enjoy, like, more, I guess more enjoying than others. Um, I think Connor, his counter striking style, mixed with a little bit of like capoeira, like just like spinning kicks out of nowhere. Like that was kind of like that what the fuck factor to it. I then think you come it. into his bubble and then he strikes you. He doesn't go at you. Yeah, like also I think he had some of the craziest striking combinations we've ever seen. Like the combination he landed on Frankie Edgar, I believe Eddie it was. Alvarez. Or Eddie Alvarez, excuse me. Yeah, that still one of the most beautiful combinations um, I've ever seen. Um, Even when he I've, lost to Dustin, he was landing on Dustin. Oh yeah, dude. I, I will say though, some people have lost their goddamn minds when they were like, um, "Oh, dude, Connor was out boxing him like a majority of the fight." Got knocked out. Yeah, he got, he got knocked out. Got, it doesn't matter what happened in the fight. He got knocked out. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't know. I feel like once Connor made it, this will be my closing point for today. But I think once Connor made it to the top, like made it to the Khabib, I feel like it really like didn't matter after that. No, it was kind of like matter. it didn't. It, it didn't matter before that. It didn't matter after he fought Floyd when he got paid ninety nine million dollars. That's when it stopped mattering. Yes, yeah. That's when it stopped mattering. And I think he talked a little bit too much shit to Khabib. I wish he would have talked a little less shit. Yeah, but dude, no, but like that's how he, that's the only that was the only way he was gonna beat Khabib is to do what he did to Jose and fuck him mentally. That was the only shot he had. And he he did fuck Khabib mentally because that man lost his shit. He jumped <laughs> over he the won. cage and jumped Connor's team. Yeah. Oh yeah, Con- Connor at least Connor broke that man down to like something I've never seen before. Like Khabib was also always like. The nice, like, really, like, humble guy in the interview. And then I remember when that one reporter um, said, like, inshallah to uh, uh, Khabib. Uh, or something like that. Yeah, and then looked over at Connor. It was like, oh, congrats on your whiskey. And he, Khabib immediately grabbed the mic, and he was like, you cannot say that. Yeah. You cannot say that. Yeah, it was Connor, 
Connor immediately turns. He was like, what the fuck are you going to do about it? Slap him then. Slap him. But oh, yeah, yeah, man. UFC 278 picks. That right? Is it 278? Yeah. UFC 278 picks. Going to be a great night. I'm the last three I'm fights. Um, Zach Watson, want to send us off on a note? Um, yeah, let's hope they find a way to just skip over UFC 279 and get right into UFC two se- or 280. Um, I was Jermaine Sterling, TJ Dillashaw. I'm pretty sure is the main event of that, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Alex Pereira, is he? The co-main event. Is it? Is he Alex Pereira? Um, I'm pulling it up right now. 280. Oh, damn. My laptop is not my friend sometimes. UFC 280 is... Oliviera Makachev. Oh. And the co-main is Aljo TJ, and then Peter Yan versus Sean O'Malley, Benil Dariush versus Mashturev Garmart. Damn, there's some good ass fights. Bilal Muhammad, Sean Brady, Volkan Ozdemir versus Nikita Krylov. Dude, this card is stacked. 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 This is what we were talking about. Like, dude, if if ESPN didn't demand fights every week, we could have. Literally the most stacked cards yeah, this card's monthly. Stacked. Monthly. This card's very yeah. Damn. Yeah. But yeah. Clocks and stove, baby. Get your picks. Make your money. Check us out. Twitter, Instagram. We'll get all those graphics out. So if you forgot what to bet on, we'll make sure to help you out there. Um, and yeah, we'll make sure to keep track of all of our uh records too in the betting game so we'll let y'all know if it's actually worthwhile to follow us or not but stay tuned